Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Good morning once again, everybody, and welcome back to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined once again, as always, by my lovely co-host and my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. And the morning to you and to our new and returning listeners. Thank you for turning in and supporting our podcast. It's officially September 1st. It is. It's a another big milestone day on the baseball calendar. September 1st is, you know, uh, it used to be expanded rosters day, but uh, that's a little bit more minimal these days. Uh, we'll explain all of that a little bit later in the show. Um, but before we get to anything, uh, we got some milestones to celebrate from on and off the baseball field yesterday. Uh, number 13 on the Atlanta Braves. What a day for him yesterday. You want to start on the field or off the field? Well, first, maybe we should say who that you were talking about. Well, I said number 13 on the Atlanta Braves. But for those that are uninitiated, I guess, that is Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. Well, he had a busy, busy day yesterday. Before arriving to the ballpark yesterday, uh, he had a small private wedding ceremony and tied the knot with his wife. He made it official. He made it official. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, 45 minutes drive from L.A., I think, somewhere in the ranch, somewhere in there. I'm not really sure which yeah. directions they went, but... <laughs> the Braves are playing in L.A. right now, so this was just kind of like a random, a sporadic Thursday and August thing. We can relate because Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. and his wife now share their wedding anniversary with us. Yeah. It was our wedding anniversary yesterday of eight years now. Congratulations, well, thank you. Congratulations to you. Oh, well, thank you. I've enjoyed pretty much every damn second of it. Sweet. Many more to come. Many more. Eight going on 80, as I like to say. Feels a lot longer. Yeah, I feel like I've known you. Well, but we've also been together for 12 years-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, here we are. Finally podcasting. So, yeah, kind of cool that we can now share our wedding anniversary with the Acunas. Many more baseball seasons from Mr. Ronald to come. And then, anyways... Uh, we should get to the on-the-field stuff that he did because uh, he kind of took it to the Dodgers personally last night, it looked like. He hit a grand slam off of Lance Lynn in the third inning. Lance Lynn got himself in some trouble. He walked the bases loaded. and or Well, I don't know if he walked them, but I think there were, he, his pitch count was heavy. He was laboring intensively was laboring. last night. The, the Braves will just work you, man. It's a tough lineup to face. Definitely had that playoff um, feel to it. Yeah, and this was game one of a four-game set yep. down there, and this is in Los Angeles. But yeah, so Acuna comes up with the bases loaded, and of course he hits the grand slam. And in doing so, he joined the 30-60 club. So that is 30 home runs in a season and 60 stolen bases. And he is now the first person in Major League history to have done that in a single MLB season. And we have a month to go, folks. It's only September 1st. So a big, big, big 
Kanika Baseball Podcast. Congratulations to Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. for getting married yesterday and joining the 3060 Club. All right. Well, the Braves, by the way, went on to beat the Dodgers. It was uh, actually only 8-7. to seven. I, I saw Mookie hit a couple homers, too, last night. I, I didn't get the sound, but I did see that Mookie kind of... He, he wasn't combative or anything with the reporters after the game, but he kind of pushed back against this idea that, like... He said he's playing against the Atlanta Braves, not against Acuna. You know, right. they were like, is it a race between you and Acuna for MVP? And he, you know, I, I could see that being an agitating question, yeah. you know, like especially coming off the loss and like you hit two homers and the other guy hits a grand slam. It's like, are you competing with him for MVP? Yeah. It's like, no, I'm trying to go out there and help my team win, you know? And that's why we are both in the MVP race is because mm-hmm. that's, we, we, take care of business you know i've been really really impressed though with acuna and mookie bets this year so kudos to both of them uh hopefully they both continue to play good baseball because it's entertaining to watch definitely all right well yesterday was also like the waiver wire deadline in baseball and we had some acquisitions (laughs) we had some moves we had some moves um as we mentioned on our podcast on wednesday a lot of this was unprecedented because of leaks. There was some some leakage going on, and uh, well, the the list of players for that the Angels were putting on waivers got leaked out. So it gave everyone basically just a head start in that regard on maybe who was going to be available. But in the end, after all the dust was settled, there was six players that were claimed off of waivers yesterday. Those six players are Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro. They are both headed to Cincinnati. Harrison Bader from the Yankees and Hunter Renfro from the aforementioned Angels. So they are now going to the Reds in the NL Central. Harrison Bader, of course, returning to the NL Red, the NL Central with the Reds. He was formerly on the Cardinals before being shipped to the Yankees. No word yet on whether he will grow back out his long hair, but I am assuming he might because of the Viking connection with the Reds. He has a nice hair, so he should grow them out. Yeah, bring back the long hair, Harrison, and and embrace your new team. I mean, like, don't don't get me wrong. Go Cubs, go. But the Reds are still a fun young team, and, like, I wouldn't mind if both of them were in the playoffs, to be honest. I don't know if it's going to happen at this point because Cincinnati has been struggling. So this is, like, their last moves. Well, Cincinnati definitely needs help in the outfield. They really uh, struggle out there. Well, Dominic Leone, also on the Angels, is heading to Seattle to help out with their bullpen. And then the only other team that made some pickups yesterday was the Cleveland Guardians. Now, this is one of the biggest, weirdest, strangest moves in baseball because, if you'll remember, the Guardians were only a game out of first place at the end of July when they basically became sellers at the trade deadline. Now, all of a sudden, they they pick up three players yesterday, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore, all from the Angels. They are all going to the Guardians together. And this is like the third time Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez have been shipped off together. So that's going to be a baseball trivia question someday, I'm sure. How many times did Giolito and Lopez move as a pair? Kind of funny and also kind of a head scratcher. You know what's sad about this whole deal with uh, Angels? They gave up their top two prospects to get Giolito and Lopez. Yeah, it's painful, you know, that you're never going to see those players again. I I don't think anyone could have foreseen the sort of bad luck situation that they were going to find themselves in when it came to the injuries here. You know, as we mentioned yesterday, they got three guys right now with like lower back 
injuries that are not able to play. It's Otani's weird. got half an arm. Trout's got half a hand. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's a weird situation. It, it, again, maybe you look at strength and conditioning coaches and who those nutrition coaches are on your team roster. It's it's it, it, I would be concerned. But again, we don't know where even Angel's ownership stands with the team right now, being wishy-washy with wanting to sell and then keeping it. Your heart's only going to get you so far, but you got to have your head in it too. You got to make smart decisions at the end of the day. And it doesn't seem like they have been making smart decisions really for the last 12 or 13 months as a franchise when it came to being honest about where they are and and what they need to do to get to where they want to be. Like every team's goal should be to win the World Series, all 30 teams. Do you think that stems from too many yes-mens around certain I think it stems from just too much fear. I I don't want to underplay that organizations need money to win and, and Shohei Otani and Mike Trout will always sell uniforms. It puts extra cash in your pocket. Yeah. You can't underestimate what that's worth to your franchise, just having those names associated with it. Nevertheless, if you want to win the World Series, you didn't make smart decisions maybe with all of that in mind. And, you know, this all automatically goes back to Anthony Rendon always because that's really where the bad money is. And you can't do anything about that money other than just... I guess eat it. No one's gonna. To. No one's gonna take that money. Yeah. Know. At that point, you just have to. You're stuck with those contracts. In some ways, I would like to see them just outright release him, maybe, or, or something dramatic, and just say like, "We're gonna eat the money, and we're not gonna operate our team with his money on the books. We know we have to pay him that money, so ultimately, we are gonna be responsible for it. But we're not gonna like let that hold us back." every season so that's a tough one mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to figure out the math on this yeah. long term but again selling mike trout and shohei otani jerseys you know if you can sell 40 million of them every year or Both 40 million worth every year like hey let's make a new jersey every year guys just just so we can sell another one another t-shirt and all that jazz and let's try to make up the 42 and a half million that we owe anthony rendon every year in merch and write it off that way i don't know it's an option get creative i just, and then, I just don't again, think it's smart decision making at the end of the day yeah and then just sell the team to otani i don't know about that no, one, but... funny funny uh i laugh i joke uh my kid but not all the players got uh assigned yesterday no there paper. was some that were missed do you want to tell us who a couple of them were well from the angel list randall grichick has not been reassigned so the he's still on the angels payroll since we are talking about that Yes, and another one who wasn't claimed was Mike Clevenger. Yeah. And I was surprised about that just because you can never have enough pitching. And, man, he's been he's been throwing the ball really well lately. Um, I, I seem to remember him defeating the Cubs at a game at Wrigley uh, in July. Yeah. and Or was that in August? It might have been a couple weeks ago. It was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, he's been throwing the ball well. It has been humid in Chicago, I noticed, when he's been pitching well. And I can attest, when I pitched in the humidity, I loved it. I was looser than a goose. Yeah. And everything was flowing, let's say, in the old arm area. So if Clevenger, he hasn't been picked up, he doesn't get to go to a playoffs with whatever team would pick him up. No. He can get picked up next year for the next season. Well, yeah, I believe he's a free agent. I don't remember how that works. Um, Okay. I can double check in a sec. Yeah, feel free. No worries. Okay. And then Carrasco, I'm I'm trying to remember his first name. He wasn't also not picked up. So those were the players that Mike were... Clevenger is not a free agent, but he has a mutual option. Okay, so they both have to agree to it. I, I don't see why the White Sox wouldn't. He, he's an innings eater. 
at this point in his life. And as long as his second Tommy John holds up, he's going to be serviceable, I feel like. Yeah. You know, um, look, he was on the Padres last year. We watched him a lot. You know, he definitely gave up some meatballs down the middle. But I will say, I think he's better than some of the pitchers the Padres have trotted up there this year. So maybe they were too quick to let go of a guy like that. An innings eater. He's a great number five or number four pitcher on your team, I feel like. Especially when half the teams in baseball can't even feel. I'm surprised the Giants didn't take a, a, a rain check on a Mike Clevenger, you know? Like, they're trotting up guys every few days. They're going by, with bullpen by committee, you know? Maybe the Giants have some kind of a plan for the offseason. If something doesn't go right this time around, they want to keep their money available for whoever they want to assign. Well, head scratchers sometimes, yeah. for sure. You just wonder, maybe the Giants feel like, hey, let's stick with what's been working for us. We don't need five starters in the playoffs. And I don't know how teams view Mike Clevenger as potentially being a bad influence on the team. I don't know. But I, I feel like he's just a an employee at this point in his career. He he works hard, you know. He he works hard to stay employed. Okay. So those were the six players claimed off waivers. All right. Let's uh move on and look ahead to some of the weekend matchups with our teams. By the way, this is the only podcast that follows the Cubs, Mariners, Padres, and whatever team Otani is playing for, which is right now, of course, the Angels. So just a, a little plug right there about and a reminder of what it is in the scope that we cover on this show. But we're going to kick it off today with the Cubbies. Cubs, two out of three against the Brewers. They find themselves now just three games back in the NL Central. They are seven and three over their last 10. And Milwaukee, though, is eight and two over their last 10. So Cubs have been playing good ball, haven't been able to gain any ground now. They are second place in the wild card and they are one and a half games over the Giants. At the moment, Arizona has fallen to a game out. Uh, Cincinnati, a game and a half back. Miami has fallen to three games out. And then San Diego and Washington and the Mets and the Pittsburgh Pirates, eight and a half and nine games out, respectively. Cubs no looking hope. solid in this playoff run, you know? Yeah, those. there's no hope for those bottom four teams, by the way. No hope. But the Cubs doing well, looking really solid in the stretch run, can't get complacent. They have um, a tough series coming up with the Reds. Yes. So that brings us to today. Now, Cincinnati, as we said, is a game and a half back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs are a game and a half up. San Francisco is holding on to that final wild card spot. But a few Reds wins here can really shake this up and throw this all out of alignment. The Reds, by the way, have fallen to six games out in the NL Central. So you can see they're three in, three games behind the Cubs right now. So winning three out of four, you know, the is going to put the Reds only a game back out of the Cubs. If they sweep the Cubs these four games, then they're going to shoot right past us. Well, and they have the two new toys to play with, the Reds. They do, but I mean, is that gonna do we feel like they're going to be huge difference makers for them? I mean, this is the no, way. Sir. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I'm not like holding my breath that the Reds are going to turn it around. I would love to see them in the playoffs because I like Ellie De La Cruz and I like some of their young pitchers like Andrew Abbott, who we're going to see pitch on Saturday tomorrow against Javier Assad. Good young pitching matchup there. Today, it's going to be Jordan Wicks versus Graham Ashcraft in game one. We got a double dip today, by the way. So there's an early afternoon Cincinnati game, which doesn't happen a lot. Usually the only early Friday games are at Wrigley Field if they're on the schedule. So the fact that there's an early Friday game at Cincinnati is kind of cool. That's because they have a double header today. And be ready to see those Reds Friday night black unis at some point. I'm sure 
we're going to see them in game two. Game two, no pitchers are assigned yet. Um, we have some news on that later, though, okay. that we'll get into. And then on Sunday, we mentioned Saturday, Javier Assad versus Andrew Abbott. On Sunday, it's Jamison Tylon uh, versus Brandon Williamson. So big series, four games, Cubs, Reds, big, big playoff implications on the line. We will be watching Go Cubs Go. All right. Well, we are going to turn our attentions now to the Seattle Mariners. And boy, the Mariners, there's been no team hotter in baseball, in my opinion, than the Mariners. They have moved into first place, a virtual tie with the Houston Astros at this point, though the Astros do have one more win and one more loss. So a couple more games played, but a lower winning percentage as a result. So the the Mariners are a tick above the Astros at the moment, and Texas has fallen to a game back and find themselves in third place after being in first place for most of the season. Crazy. Fascinating. I don't think the baseball world quite saw this one coming. I mean, you, you, you knew the Astros were probably going to make a run and be in there. Um, and, and to be fair, they've been in the wild card virtually the whole time. But I don't think anybody really saw the Mariners run coming. It, it, it They were like 10 and a half games back on July 1st. They were right where the Angels and the Padres and some of these other, the Mets, you know, and some of these high payroll teams were. And and all four of those teams that I just mentioned, the Mariners, Padres, Mets, and who else was it? Angels. Angels. All all four of those teams were, were talked about as being heavy playoff contenders when the season started. Only the Mariners out of all of those teams were able to put together the run. I would argue the team that has like maybe the least amount of star players on their roster, if you want to go in that direction. You could make an argument that the Phillies, the Phillies made their run a little earlier though. They started to play better back in like June. Well, now they got Trey Turner turning things around and actually hitting ball. Oh yeah. So Since okay. that standing ovation, boy, yeah, what a moment! So watch out for Phillies. For watch sure. out for the Phillies, but but back to the Mariners really quick. Like since July, there's been no team in baseball that's been better than them, and it shows in the standings that they have come back from ten and a half games down to be in first place. It's awesome. We are here for all of it. I love watching their young, fun team. They have great young pitching, and now. There's a lot of TBDs on the schedule right now for the Mariners for pitching this weekend. Uh, in fact, they don't have any starters listed yet. So it's really tough to like sort of do any sort of pitching matchup breakdown or anything like that. They do have to face Kodai Senga tonight, the rookie from the Mets, who's been having a really strong second half as he gets his feet underneath him. And he has that devastating ghost forkball. So watch out. You know, the Mets are going to spoil some games for teams. You know, they it looks like on the schedule we should beat this team, but... You know, and then you sh- you still have to show up and play them. Mets been playing pretty tough lately. They have been, and looking ahead, it doesn't get any easier for the Mariners because no. this is the first three games of a ten-game road trip, and they will be heading to aforementioned Cincinnati after this to play three. So the Cubs play four in Cincinnati, then the Mariners play three at Cincinnati, and then they finish out this road trip with four games at. Tampa Bay. That's Tampa a tough Bay, place yeah. to play still. So, yeah, I am scared for the Mariners in this little stretch because, well, let's just say I hope they get off to a good start against the Mets, which will maybe make the back half of those final seven games a little bit more manageable. I'm looking at Seattle records uh, on the road. They are 37 to 28. So that's not bad. Yeah, they, they have, have a bad record. They've been playing well, but they got to show up and win the games that they need to win, you know, like. It would be great to be five and one or four and two at the very least going into that Tampa Bay series, knowing that like, well, you know, if we lose three out of four here, 
we'll still be 500 on the road trip and you know that's okay and then you go home and face the angels and the dodgers those aren't gimme games by any means and the dodgers is is a tough matchup always so yeah seattle has a tough september so they're gonna really have to dig down and, and continue to fight despite what they've done which is miraculous i i don't think making the playoffs is even a gimme for them you know like toronto's not gonna quit even Boston's not going to quit. They've, they've dropped off quite a bit, but... I don't think any team is going to quit at this point. In yeah. They still believe in themselves. A lot of teams do. They yeah. have to. And, and just a reminder that as we talk about these teams that Seattle has to play, their last 10 games of the season are against the Rangers, Astros, and Rangers again, and seven of them being against the Rangers. So all of this, like, these teams are separated by a game right now. Yeah, like, every game matters. All of this is going to come down to probably the last week anyway. It's just, do you want to be coming from behind in the last week, or do you want to be playing from the position of being above? <laughs> I personally would want to be above and so we'll see. Neither position is going to be easy, obviously, and it should be a really highly entertaining week. That's for sure. Or nail biting. If you bite your nails, the last week is going to be torture for you. I mean, the Cubs also close out at Milwaukee, by the way. Oh boy, that's going to be a yeah one. last weekend of the season. So all right, well, uh, moving on here, the Mariners have a tough schedule, and hopefully, they are able to release the Kraken. But every team gets to release a little bit of the Kraken today because it is September 1st. And traditionally in the baseball world, this was known as like the expanded rosters. And you were allowed to bring up players on your 40-man roster to come and partake in major league festivities, uh, most of them for the first time in their career. If you look at a back of a few baseball cards throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s, you'll see some players had like 10 or 12 at-bats. This is because of this expanded rosters format. Now, this has gone under a drastic change since 2021 is what our research showed. And I'm here to break down what exactly has changed and how it all works and what, what implications are, are from all this. Now somebody please tell me where you left off in your textbooks. We're here to learn. Anybody else have a problem with that? Excuse me, people, if I need to ask again, I'm gonna write up the entire class. Take your seats. Things are about to change around here. Recess is over. Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. Good, now we're having fun. So, instead of 40 players, we are now given an expanded roster move from 26 to 28. A reminder, the roster is expanded by one player this year. So, as part of the new collective bargaining agreement, teams are, were allowed to carry 26 players on their active roster versus 25. So, they got an extra player. Now, in September, they get an extra two players to carry on their roster. So, every team now can carry 28 players at a time on their active roster. This is mostly for an opportunity for teams to call up young players that may potentially have an opportunity to start on the team next year. It's to give them a taste of what the big leagues is like. I look at it as like a major league baseball internship. Like you're about to be doing this for the rest of your life. So here you get a month to peek behind the curtain. You get to see how the big league players prepare and get ready on a daily basis to go play baseball. And also now in some rare instances with this, you will see some of these players also play in the playoffs and even have an impact on their teams. So it's a cool opportunity for these guys. Uh, but nonetheless, like 
for most of the 30 teams, 18 aren't going to be playing in the postseason. This is really an opportunity to, you know, give a couple guys a, a look at the big league level and give them some experience about playing in front of a large crowd or playing in a big stadium versus a minor league ballpark. There is a difference. The ball might look a little different off the bat, you know. You get rid of your butterflies. <laughs> if you make an error, it's not an end-of-the-world situation for these other 18 teams. And so it's good to get those out of your system, you know, get the butterflies out of these guys' systems a little bit. No matter who they are and no matter what team they play on, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so we will not see as much of shuffling as we used to have seen it. Well, one of the reasons that the 40-man roster was cut down to 28 was because of pitching alone. Mm -hmm. And when you have a 40-man roster and you, you, you call up, like, you know, when you would go from 25 to 40 and you would maybe have like an extra eight to 10 pitchers on your roster, it made it, it made it, made games longer because managers would, of course, go for the strategic matchup late in the game and like- But it's called a pitcher parade. Yeah. Now, this isn't to say that like starters would- do bullpen by committee or anything like that like you know starters would still go six seven innings eight but it just came down to like when the when the relievers started getting used they would be getting shuffled in and out almost every batter based on like what provided the best matchup and the manager had the flexibility to do it because he had all these extra players on the roster so now instead of having an extra 15 players on your roster you only have an extra two it's a lot more manageable probably for the manager too like it's really hard to put 40 guys into a game every day. It's hard to put 28 guys into a, you know. As a manager, you're responsible for every single player on your roster and making sure they get at bats. You know, you don't want to have a guy that's sitting on your bench for two weeks not getting in at bats. So you got to find a place to get him in, involved. This is just the realities of the situation, right? So it's probably a lot easier these days on the manager to manage 28 guys than it is 40. Now, there's another little asterisk here. You can only have 14 pitchers on your active roster right now. As so that far as how many could you have before? Well, I don't know. But when, like I said, with the 40 man, this is all so playing into what I just talked about. Like this is to limit the amount of bullpen moves you can make in a game so that the games don't take five hours to play because you're constantly changing pitchers around. So um, those two players that the roster gets ex expended, it can be a pitcher or outfielder doesn't matter what position. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They can be whatever you want, but they limit it because they don't want you to have access to like a plethora of bullpen arms on a nightly basis that are going to now in turn start making games take a lot longer, especially at the end. Also prevents teams from making shenanigans with players, putting them on the IL sure. to manipulate the system for their advantage. It yep. prevents that. So I don't know when we're going to start seeing all of these call-ups, but I would assume because it's only two players, I think we're going to see most of them within the next couple of weeks. But just as a, a reminder here, the minor league schedule is showing that A-ball and high A-ball end on September 10th. So their season will be over on September 10th, ends on September 17th, and AAA ends on September 24th. So that's kind of interesting. You know, like if the major league roster plucks like – players that are on like a first place team in AAA and well, it's down the stretch. I just don't think it matters who wins ultimately those minor league championships. They're I mean, fun the for those do. players probably yeah. in the moment, but like at the end of the day, reality sets in and takes over. They're they're not playing for a minor league championship. They're playing for the big league roster. They're playing to get a job on that roster. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, another thing that is impacted with all of this is rookie eligibility and like 
as players get called up late in the season, they start to incur minutes at bats, you know, hours on the job as you are. Um, so I thought it was really, I thought it would be good to refresh the rookie eligibility requirements. So how do these players that are going to get called up stay rookies next year and be allowed to be considered, you know, for rookie of the year? Well, here's the rules. So if a player plays in 45 days in the major leagues, they are no longer considered a rookie. So they have to pay 45 days. So most of them are not going to have this happen in September. There's not 40 days in September. There's not enough games. Correct. So that's that's not going to happen, especially if they're called up for the first time. Now, the next metric is at-bats. 130 at-bats will also eliminate you from rookie eligibility. Now, this is also genuinely not a concern. Usually you get about 100 at-bats in a month if you play every day. There's generally like 25 games a month, and then you multiply that by four, so that's 100. So basically with that in play, they will be rookies next year as well. Correct. And then uh, the other metric is 50 innings pitched for a pitcher. So if you come in and pitch, basically these numbers are specifically, I feel like chosen because like if you're a starter, you're probably going to get no more than like five starts in a month if you get called up for September. Mm -hmm. So if you happen to go all nine innings and all five of your starts, which is never going to happen nowadays, you that would be 45 innings, mm -hmm. you know, so you still would be short. short. If you are a position player and you're called up to play and you play every day, like I just said, you're only going to get like 100 to maybe 110 at bats. You're going to fall a little bit short. So I feel like they really specifically chose these numbers carefully. Right, but they chose these numbers for a reason, not to benefit the players, to benefit the league, because they don't have to pay them next season more than the league minimum if they are still a rookie. Well, I th I wouldn't look at it that way. No? This is just like more of a, this is like a bonus call-up, if you will. And it's a Major League Baseball internship. It's not anything against the player. And, and to be fair, a lot of this is geared towards players that teams see as being possible opening day starters for the following season. So this year, like the Yankees called up Jason Dominguez, for example. He's one of their top prospects, though he has fallen off quite a bit in the few years. But nevertheless, they're they're calling him up today from double A and he's gonna get a chance to to play with the big league club for a, a couple of weeks here. And he's gonna get to see Aaron Judge on a daily basis. Anthony Rizzo, these guys go about their business, you know, like no matter what the Yankees have had happen, they still go about their business professionally, mm -hmm. you know. They they wear the clean shaven look, like they do all the things the Yankees are supposed to do. So this is a chance for them to come in and and have to do those things for a month and and learn from those guys. Okay. But the idea is that they start maybe on the team next year, or they 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 have they get they you just get a little experience and a taste. I don't think it's anything against the players, but well, I'm not saying it's against the player. A lot of these players might not make it next year. This is the only time sure. they might play. Well, I think the reason again, going back to the numbers though, is just to no one's going to eclipse those numbers this month. So right. no one's going to lose their rookie eligibility this month. I just kind of wanted to like I thought that those numbers were very carefully chosen and interesting so they allow play teams to call up these players that they want at the end of the season without ruining their rookie eligibility next year okay now this brings up julio rodriguez who was last year's rookie of the year and the effect of the new collective bargaining agreement that ended you know the lockout was it last year yeah last year started late not this year this year everything started on time with world yep. baseball classic and okay so if you'll remember last year there was like a strike lockout that 
got resolved. The season did start late, but they played all 162 games. Okay, so an effect of that new collective bargaining agreement that was signed was that teams that do promote rookies to be starters from day one and then see those players earn rewards like rookie of the year are given bonus draft picks, which has already happened. So Seattle, the first team that was awarded these extra draft picks this year because they started Julio Rodriguez on their team last year from day one, and he went on to win Rookie of the Year. Just another little wrinkle I wanted to mention and throw out there about the effects of the new collective bargaining agreement and all these players that could potentially get promoted this month will not be affected by their Rookie of the Year status, so they can go on to still win Rookie of the Year next year. And if they start the season next year on the team, it still counts towards this bonus draft pick and all that jazz. So having said all this, let's turn our attentions back to the Cubs and the Mariners, our two teams that are kind of in it right now, and talk about who they might be calling up. Now, the big name that everyone talks about with the Cubs and their farm system is Pete Armstrong, currently the number 12 rated prospect on MLB's top 100 prospects list, but he has been in the top 20 for a long time now. And yet, it doesn't seem like he's going to be getting this call to the to the big league roster because of the limitations of the two two guys, but there's really just no room for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an outfielder and I think if if Talkman was like struggling more, you might see them make this move. But because Michael Talkman has been a, a pleasant surprise for the Cubs this year, there's really just no need to shake up the big league club right now and make this move. The Cubs need help elsewhere with arms. And they are gonna call up we we said that there's a TBA for the second game today on who's pitching for the Cubs. And it looks like it's going to be Shane Green. And he has been pitching in AAA Iowa for the Cubs since August. He's 34 years old, folks, but he is pitching really well right now. He has a 2.16 ERA since August with the Iowa Cubs, which is more than serviceable. And that's with a 1.26 whip. So you'd like to see that down just a little bit, but Look, the Cubs are looking to get five innings out of this guy tonight. So let's see if he can do it. Yeah. And they'll just have his arm available, it looks like, for the rest of this stretch run. So it looks like they're going with experience over youth here, 34 years old. But hopefully he knows his job isn't to like, look, you're not going out there to throw nine inning no hitters, man. We want you to get through five. Yeah. And and be serviceable for this month for us. That's so, a good move for the Cubs. They do need pitching, especially no. to go to the distance on the postseason. Yeah. Now, the other guy they're calling up is Alexander Canario, and I didn't write down his damn position. I should have, um, but he's a bat. He's been in Iowa and AAA, and he is on fire, folks. No other way to put it. He is batting 40 for 145 since being called up to AAA. That's good enough for a 276 batting average, a 342 on-base percentage, and a 524 slugging percentage because he's got 12 doubles and 8 home runs. So that's a big, nice little stick. The Cubs going with the hot bat. You know, the Cubs did this earlier in the season with Christopher Morrell. They brought up the hot bat instead of, you know, like, I don't know if they had a choice at the time, but like Christopher Morrell basically willed himself onto this Cubs team because he hit 11 home runs in like the first month of AAA. And it was funny when he got called up to the majors, he didn't stop. He he hit like what, 11 or 12 home runs or something in the first month of his call up. Yeah, it was 11. He's obviously cooled off tremendously, but he's still a, a fun impact player on the Cubs. And I just think it's interesting that maybe that they're kind of hoping to invoke that magic again by going with the hot bat. Alexander Canario. So good luck, Alexander. They're singing 
Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Uh, the Mariners, meanwhile, they are playing much less sexy moves here with their roster. It looks like Sam Haggerty and Ty Adock are two of the possibilities. Now, they've both already been up and down with the big league club this year, so that's why I said they're they're less sexy moves. It's like okay. these are players that the team is a little bit more familiar with at this point and the fans are more familiar with. But there is another player that I wanted to mention named Prelander Baroa, and uh, he has not been up to the big league club yet, and he is starting pitcher material that brings 100-mile-an-hour heat. So that's his big claim to fame now. We've seen a lot of these guys hurt their arms. So In the future. Yeah. Like, my, my biggest fear here, pre-lander, is take care of your arm, buddy, and uh, let's not sacrifice injuries for heat in, the, so, in your life. It's all about location, you know? The mechanics got to be top-notch. But it doesn't matter how hard you throw the ball if you can't control where you put it. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on here. We'll see what the Mariners do between these three players because, like we said, there's only two spots. So we'll keep you posted on that when we return uh, with our next episode on Monday. But, yeah, the Mariners obviously have this tough road trip coming up that we talked about, so we will be watching this weekend. But that is it for my little uh, teaching moment on the now 28-man roster, September 1st, call-ups day. MLB edition 2023. Somebody please tell me where you left off in your textbooks. We're here to learn. Anybody else have a problem with that? Excuse me, people. If I need to ask again, I'm going to write up the entire class. Take your seats. Things are about to change around here. Recess is over. Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. Good. Now we're having fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in, and thank you for sticking with us as we have gone on this journey. I can't believe it's September already. Wow. Time flies when you are podcasting, folks. Um, Yeah. Well, we are excited to follow the Cubs and Mariners down this stretch run, and we'll keep you posted on if the Padres and the Angels bring up any of their players and, and who they wind up being. You know, there's some talk Jackson Merrill might get called up from the Padres farm system. Um, does anybody really care at this point? I mean, I, I want to see these guys play, but I, I'm so down on the team. It's hard to get excited about anything. I don't think the team is going to turn anything around. In They're time. not going to turn anything around, but it's hard to get excited about a new player when the existing team has underperformed so much. Like, if the Padres were heading into the playoffs and they had Jackson Merrill maybe joining the team, that would get me excited, you know, because they might have another bat or a utility player to, to put out there and put in the mix. You know, Sorry. we talked about Dave Ross and, and how much shuffling of the players he does, you know, to give guys days off and, and still keep them in the lineup batting. You know, watching Padres last few games, it's they gave disappointing. Up. The team looks like they are done. Oh, they quit. They definitely quit. You lose two out of three to St. Louis, and then you drop the first one in San Francisco to Manea, who was on your team last year. Like, you can't even get up for that guy. They mashed the hell out of Manea in Mexico City this year. I know. You remember that? Yeah. The ball Maybe they need to move the team there because... It was painful to watch. We, we, we've actually kind of stopped watching. For the first time in almost three years, I've stopped watching the Padres in September. That's not worth your time right now. You know, we'll see what they do in the offseason, and we'll be here covering it. But right now we had to watch foundation. Yes. By the way, uh, the Mariners are on Apple TV tonight. So if you don't have Apple TV, please go to MLB.com. They have a big banner on the top of the page 
you can get two free months of Apple TV. And as a bonus, you can watch one of the best shows on television, Foundation. We watched season two, episode eight last night. So there's two more episodes to go, but this is one of the best episodes of the series so far. It was super exciting, great cinematic moments. I mean, this shit is rivaling Star Wars, folks, but caveat, it is for adults. So I don't know how you're going to rival Star Wars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking 1977 Star Wars. Okay. Faster, more intense. Because the current state of Star Wars is not Star Wars. It's okay. We're not judging until all of it's out. We're not judging, but we'll go watch Foundation. Yes, we, we celebrate what we like on this show, and we don't like to bring down others who like things that we don't care for. Yeah. All right. Well, having said all that, we're getting off the air. We're going to wrap a little bow on this episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Wow, I said that a lot in the last few minutes. Kanika Baseball Podcast. Kanika Baseball Podcast. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this episode up, and happy Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the four Cubs games that we had. Oh, two. Man, Cubs got to win these games, baby. Let's go. Mariners, got to get this road trip off to a good start, baby. Let's go. I want to see you guys in September. I want to dream of a Seattle-Chicago Cubs World Series. Then who will we root for? I know. Holy shit. All right. Well, I'm going to leave you on that note, and I'm going to get out of here. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy Labor Day. Bye. Adios. Yeah, I'm gonna stop with your pro Cause this is what you need.